0: Hello and welcome to your Active's Agri-Food podcast. I'm Natasha Foote
1: and I'm Gerardo Fortuna
0: and here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from your Active's Agri-Food News team. Our top story of the week. MEPs and stakeholders are urging the Commission to postpone the coming into force of the reformed organic regulation. As it currently stands, the regulation is due on the 1st of January 2021 but they're asking for this to be postponed by one year. In a letter to EU Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, MEPs have asked for more time, saying it was needed to ensure that the necessary complex system of delegated and implementing acts is in place, and that member states and operators are given enough time to make a successful transition to the new system. The Commission has worked on a proposal for the new law to replace the current organic regulation since 2013, This was then approved in 2018 after many years of inter-institutional negotiations between MEPs and Agriculture Ministers. The new set of rules for organic farming aims to simplify the current system, creating a level playing field for EU produce and imports. In particular, the reform regulation aims to harmonise standards and apply one system to all EU and non-EU farmers, providing all EU consumers with the same quality guarantee wherever their food comes from. This call to postpone the regulation is also something echoed by stakeholders such as Organics Association, iPhone. They say that this will allow organic producers and the organic control system to focus on responding to the COVID-19 pandemic and continue providing good quality food to EU citizens. This is especially important at the moment given that the organic sector is currently experiencing somewhat of a boom during the COVID-19 crisis. This is because demand for non-perishable organic produce is increasing, especially for things like pasta, rice and grains. This is thought to be due to a combination of the fact that EU citizens are cooking more at home and because people are choosing more to buy locally sourced produce. The Commission has informed EUACTIV that it has received the request from MEPs and stakeholders and that they are currently assessing the situation. In other news. Agritourism is a growing trend across the EU, with many small farmers increasingly turning to tourism to diversify their economic activities, bringing in an extra income which can prove to be a lifeline for many farmers. But alongside the rest of the tourism sector, the COVID 19 crisis has had a devastating effect on agritourism. Although there's been a lot of focus given to the impact of the pandemic on the tourism sector as a whole, there's been much less attention devoted to agritourism. But agritourism brings in a considerable contribution to many economies. It's becoming an increasingly important part of both the tourism and the agricultural industry worldwide. Not only does it increase revenues for smaller farmers, but it also enhances knowledge of agricultural activity and rural areas and helps to conserve Europe's industrial and rural heritage. Agritourism also adds value to local products due to the increase in demand for natural or handcrafted regional agricultural products. In Italy alone, it's been estimated that the losses in the agritourism sector in 2020 will amount to 65% of the income forecast for this year. This is the equivalent of €1 billion loss, which is a significant loss for an economy already reeling from the effects of the COVID-19 crisis. As such, speaking at the recent Agri-Committee meeting, EU Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski highlighted that agritourism is an important rural activity, one that is really struggling and needs extra support during this time. He suggested that the agritourism sector should be offered extra support under the Rural Development Fund, the second pillar of the Common Agricultural Policy. He also suggested that agritourism is a kind of tourism which could continue even during the crisis, according to certain conditions, suggesting that it should be treated separately from the rest of the tourism sector. He therefore said he will be turning to member states and asking them to consider agritourism as a kind of tourism that can continue. The European Food Safety Authority has published the results of its two pilot assessments on the risks posed to humans by residues of multiple pesticides in food. But these have been criticised by the Pesticide Action Network, a network of over 600 NGOs, institutions and individuals working for a reduction of the use of pesticides. The assessments were conducted using a methodology which was developed specifically as a new approach for grouping pesticides. It paves the way for the implementation of cumulative risk assessment, basically to assess the risk posed by exposure to multiple pesticide residues. This is important as many fruit and vegetables are actually exposed to more than one kind of pesticide. According to EFSA's latest report, more than 65% of common fruits like table grapes, strawberries, cherries and pears contain two or more pesticide residues. As such, EU regulation stipulates that the maximum level of pesticides in foods and decisions on this should take into account the cumulative effects of pesticides. So regulation covering the placing of pesticides on the market actually stipulates that pesticides should have no harmful effects, including cumulative effects on humans. However, these have been criticised as unfit for purpose by the Pesticide Action Network, saying that they are not fit to ensure that pesticide mixtures cause no impact to human health and particularly to the most vulnerable groups in the population.
1: And we now move to the crisis fund conundrum, which is the issue that is puzzling the EU agri-food bubble in these weeks. So the package of exceptional measures proposed by the Commission to relieve agri-food markets in the wake of the coronavirus crisis was criticized by many, MEPs for instance, but also stakeholders from agri-food sector. And The issue is that although the measures are going in the right direction, they're not enough because the allocated money is too short, it's also true that we are at the end of the programming period so the possibilities of the current budget are limited uh, unless the Commission triggers the so-called reserve fund which was set up in the 2013 cap reform and was intended to provide additional support for the agricultural sector in the case of major crises. and even at the time it was one of the question marks of the entire reform and indeed the crisis reserve fund has never been used so far but there are starting to be calls to make use of it. For the current budget uh, period, the reserve fund comprises seven equal annual installments of 400 million. The Commissioner Wojciechowski has said that he is very much in favor of using the crisis reserve but that this must come with the agreement of the member states and also some MEPs are pushing for it but on the other hand we have member states that are unwilling to support the use of the fund because the use of the fund would cause corresponding cuts in direct payments and member states were unwilling to allow this to happen. Farmers too are not in favor because of the same reason. I mean, some farmers. So said that in the future he would support a proposal of a crisis fund which doesn't depend on subsidies or, or aid, but is instead a proper crisis reserve at the disposal of, of the commission that then can be used when farmers are faced with a very serious crisis. And he added that this crisis reserve should be larger than the one currently in place at the moment. We move to another news. We have a date for the farm to fork strategy. So the new food policy, it's expected to be launched on the 20th of May, together with the biodiversity strategy, which is uh, also uh, crucial for the agri-food sector. The date is to be confirmed and might be subject to change, but Commission Vice President uh, Franz Timmermans intends to keep his promise to deliver the two strategies with only a short delay after they were supposed to be launched last month. Just to remind that the Farm to Fork strategy will feature legislative actions and have specific targets for the reduction of risk and use of pesticides, as well as fertilizers. Uh, while the biodiversity strategy is expected to introduce a new target to increase organic land within the EU. This week also the EU's main food and drink association, Europe, said in a statement that the delay of the two strategies could be an opportunity to take into account the changing landscape caused by the COVID-19. And lastly, a group of MEPs sent a letter this week to the three presidents of the EU apical institutions, so the European Parliament, the European Commission and the European Council, but is also addressed to the Commissioner for Agriculture Janusz Wojciechowski and the Chair of the, EP, the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee Norbert Linz. And these MEPs are complaining about the existence of equal and more equal farmers in the EU, basically referring to the the concept of external convergence, uh, which was introduced by the 2013 uh, cap reform and which aims to reduce differences in the average support per actor after eastern enlargement. This process is designed to gradually allow equal direct payments for all the member states so countries that have higher payments are of course afraid of convergence because they don't want their farmers to lose money. And this concept has recently faced criticism by some EU countries who oppose including this in the next cap reform while these MEPs are calling to put an end to this embarrassing, as they call it, discrimination in order to ensure an equal treatment of all European farmers. This week, the quote of the week comes from European Commission's vice president, Franz Timmermans.
2: This should be an opportunity for our agricultural uh, sector to also look at its own resilience uh, and at its own sustainability. And I believe that one of the uh, Achilles heels uh, of um, the way we consume uh, food and foodstuff is that we've gotten used to uh, everything being very, very cheap. I honestly believe that if there is a reevaluation and health gets a bigger priority, then the willingness to pay a bit more for better foodstuffs might increase. But of course, this is also linked uh, to uh, the question about how deep the economic crisis will be, because citizens in really deep trouble have no choice but to look for the cheapest uh, way to survive. But I do think that this is an opportunity to rethink, Uh, how um, uh, we eat, uh, how we consume, what we consume. Um, I think it is a good opportunity to have products closer to home.
0: Now for the agri-food news from the capitals this week, starting with Belgium, where around 778 tonnes of non-compliant or suspect phytosanitary products from India and China have been seized this week in Antwerp by the Belgian Federal Agency for the Safety of the Food Chain. In France, the signing of a free trade agreement between the EU and Mexico this week has provoked a strong reaction from France's farming community. This new agreement foresees the opening of the European market to around 20,000 tonnes of Mexican beef. France's Farmers Confederation called this a scandal, saying this will put farmers around the world in competition with each other. In Croatia, The Croatian Agriculture Ministry has launched an online web platform which offers farm produce from all over the country. The platform has been launched to help farmers and fishermen in the current situation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. In Romania, Romania's agriculture minister has said that an evaluation of the effects of drought on the country's agricultural sector will be finalised in the coming days, but the preliminary data shows that up to 1.2 million hectares could be severely affected by the lack of rain. In the UK, As shoppers try to reduce their trips out of the house amid the coronavirus outbreak, the weekly sales of vegetable boxes in the UK have more than doubled. According to new data from the independent think tank, the Food Foundation, they found that sales increased by 111% in six weeks from the end of February to mid-April.
1: The Irish Farmers' Association has said that proposals to cut the national agriculture herd to reduce greenhouse gas emissions was a lazy narrative based on flawed calculations. The farmers' group criticised the comments from Robert Watt, from the government's Department of Public Expenditure, who suggested that the national herd should be cut by up to 5% as part of the government's climate action plan. In Italy, after the green light from the Commission on Private Storage 8, the Ministry of Agriculture will allow cheese producers to store up to a maximum of 12,000 tons. Requests can be submitted from 7 May to the 30th of June. The appearance of the German Agriculture Minister Julia Klockner on a German cooking show last weekend has caused a stir as the show was sponsored by the supermarket chain Kaufland. Klockner has claimed that she was unaware of the sponsorship, but politicians across the political spectrum have been quick to criticize her and question this. And on Monday, the vice president of the Bundestag demanded an investigation. Austrian MEP Simona Schmidt-Bauer warns in a letter co-signed by members of the Conservative Party, EUVP, that Europe should not rush its reforms to its agricultural strategies, namely the Farm to Fork. And the biodiversity strategy. And lastly, in Poland, from the end of April, Ukrainian citizens will be eligible to receive Polish employee visas, according to the Polish press agency. At the same time, as part of the third anti crisis law, the government confirmed that farmers will not have to apply for temporary residence for seasonal workers. And now it's time for this week's guest, Matteo Metta, who's policy officer at the NGO R 2020, which has published this week an analysis on the transparency and stakeholder inclusivity of the design process of the national CAP strategic plans in six selected member states, uh, France, Ireland, Italy, Germany, Spain and Poland and he's going
3: to speak about the main outcomes of the analysis. Thank you Euroactive for getting in touch with Arc 2020. Yeah, our project just started after a discussion with the Heinrich bowl Foundation and with several other NGOs. We realized that with the cap reform post-2020 there was much more flexibility for the member states and we had to start to look critically and how the member states were preparing the national CAP strategic plans. And we started by looking at, at the transparency and stakeholder inclusion, because we believe these aspects are the basics of any policy reform. Yeah, and transparency and stakeholder inclusions are not a black and white picture, especially with COVID-19 outbreak, we found a lot of challenges for the member states, but there are certainly some critical aspects be highlighted and indeed we found out in our analysis that there were good and bad practices within the same member state i really recommend downloading the final report and see some interesting experiences like for instance uh, in ireland uh, they publish the minutes of the uh, consultation meetings or the list of stakeholders consulted or the powerpoints that are presented or there is a clear timeline for receiving written feedbacks on draft documents. In other countries, this is not always the case. Sometimes it's very difficult, almost impossible, to find the clear timelines on future steps. And in other countries, you need to to have informal connections to receive effectively updates on what are the next steps written procedures are unclear, or some participatory meetings were organized, but sometimes there were no final reports, or in some cases the reports didn't reflect adequately the outcomes or the discussions of the meetings. So yeah, this report shows exactly these good and bad practices, and certainly we cannot accept that the future CAP strategic plans will be drafted without a transparent and effective consultation procedure also between the Member States and the European Commission when they will have the negotiations of the strategic plans. And certainly we want to avoid any box ticking exercise or any form of tokenism in public consultations. We pointed out numerous suggestions to the Commission and we stressed its important role in ensuring a high level of transparency and stakeholder inclusion until the final adoption of the CAP strategic plans. A much still need to be seen before we can make a conclusion. But in the next weeks, we will start looking at also environmental issues. We will ask ourselves questions like, will the member states be more environmentally ambitious than before? And what does that mean? Does it mean to go beyond the European re- legislation, or does it mean greenwashing CAP support? We invite any actors involved in the process of designing the CAP strategic plans to join us in these efforts and to answer these questions together. So please get in touch with arc2020.eu. Thank you.
0: On our radar this week, the Value Sect Consortium, a consortium of partners coordinated by the Thomas More University, has launched a programme to improve the sustainable production and processing techniques of insect-based food products. It aims to transfer developed knowledge to agri food businesses in Northwest Europe.
1: This week the Agrifood Podcast is produced by Euractiv's Agri Food team, Natasha Food and Gerardo Fortuna, with the technical support of Michael Ball. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna